It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com, and we are presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Fellas, uh, the last one we did was, was right after the Final Four, and we kind of usually do one a month in the summertime. We've all kind of had busy schedules and weird schedules, but we got a chance to get together right on a, on a kind of a day that uh, is decision time for a lot of players and um, some that have, have made decisions ahead of time to come back. The one guy I do want to touch on because it, it affects a local team, Jacob Evans decided well before today to make the decision to stay in the NBA draft. Um, I was one that, that – I wasn't sure he made the right decision. When you saw some of the early stuff that it looked like he was probably a second-round guy, was that going to work out? But it, it looks like he's going to be maybe in the 20s when all said and done and maybe a perfect fit, Chad. I mean, at worst, he's going to go probably early 30s. And anymore, what people don't understand is that that process has changed a lot. You're only guaranteed, like, for sure, uh, a guaranteed contract in the first round. But the past couple years, that has extended – and we're seeing guaranteed contracts into the, the early 40s. Yeah, that, that almost used to seem like if you weren't guaranteed to be a first-round guy, you probably made a mistake. Derek Brown, years yeah. ago, it just seemed like, dude, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Um, but, now but teams now are guaranteeing yeah. out to 40, 41, 42. I have a very hard time believing Jacob Evans goes anywhere other than, you know, 20s or 30s. Right. So, for him, I mean, he just he was ready to go. He uh, wanted to to get on with that next challenge that's the what we had heard throughout the season that that was the most likely destination uh that was the most likely end result and that's how it played out he heard what he wanted to hear and had a good combine i love how you know he had a, a very good day one of the combine uh and then he uh quote unquote injured a finger and missed the second day which is code for my agent said i showed enough you played I, really I well i showed enough yeah Wrap it up. Don't give him any reason to look back on that and say that was a fluke. Yeah, uh, no, that, that, was, that was probably a smart decision. It's funny, and this doesn't really factor in with him at all, but you were mentioning just kind of how they're, they're giving out more and more guaranteed contracts to guys even into the second round. The one thing that I think has been interesting is you now have the two-way contracts too, right? where I think guys now think that's essentially like going over to Europe. Like, oh, anyone can get a two. two but I think every, they, they, there's only yeah, two we're all going to get one, right? And I think everyone now sees that as the dream of like, well, hey, I might go at the end of the second round or not even get drafted, but I can get that two-way contract. And instead of getting 26000 you get 200000 yeah, go back some, and forth between. I think Gary Payton Jr. is making – he might be making close to a million dollars. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird guaranteed money for and him. It's, and it's a heck of a deal when you can do that. But, like, the problem is I think some of them – their eyes get big with that being yeah. a possibility now when it's not realistic for a lot of those guys because you only get two per team. And most teams don't really even fully – they're they're not being used strictly on rookies. Right. So, you know, they, they take into account, you know, while there's 30 teams, there's two two per team. That's 62-way contracts. Well, it, it doesn't have to be a rookie that you use that on. It can be a second- or third-year guy or a guy that's right. bounced around Europe that has had some success that you bring over. Sean Kilpatrick was working on a two-way deal um, and then ended up getting a sweetheart of a deal from the Bulls. Um, he, he got $2.4 million crazy. for nine games Yeah, that's crazy. at the end of the season. 
Guaranteed two point four million yeah, for nine games. Literally, that's a lottery ticket. I mean, that's yep. really a lottery ticket, is what that is. He was going to sign a ten day with Boston, one more ten day, which is like seventy five thousand dollars, and instead he got a guaranteed two point four million. I, I take the guaranteed two point four million, and even though the Bulls stink. Well, yeah. you get to play. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you get to play, and you get to cash a, a nice check for not a lot of work. So yeah. that's that's a good thing. Uh, JP McCure, Trayvon Blewett were not invited to the combine. Rick, that's probably not overly surprising. Um, th- how does it affect them, if at all? Yeah, I mean they're seniors, so it didn't really matter, right? right? They were <laughs> they were going either way. It's not like they had a decision to make. Um, I I mean I don't think they're going to get drafted. I think we all kind of agreed right. that after the season. Um, they're both guys that will get a lot of workouts, and I could obviously see them getting signed and given a summer league deal with someone and given a chance to show what they can do. From then, it's just going to be up to them, you know. Like they're going to have to, ha- they're going to have to find a really unique opportunity with a team who values them, and they're going to have to just show out in the limited opportunity you get in that type of situation. So, the odds are certainly against them. They're likely going to end up over Europe, where you think they'd be pretty solid players. Um, but you know that the next few months is kind of the them playing out the dream, right? Yeah, right. Those two guys, that level is very interesting on making that decision to play in the D League. Or to go to Europe because in Europe you're going to get better money, but in the D League now because those teams are affiliated, not fully affiliated, but at least you know closely affiliated with NBA teams. Do you roll the dice and and take less money and say I want to stay in America and stay in their conscience? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do I stay in their conscience of the NBA teams? Chad got choked up just thinking about Trayvon even Xavier. Um, In a good way. (laughs) (laughs) But it's an interesting decision for those guys. Gary Clark, I think, would probably – I mean, there's a chance Gary gets drafted late second round, but I would think probably more likely he ends up in the same boat, free agent, looking to find a place. Do you stay in the D-League and and keep your name front of mind, or do you go ahead and go to Europe and make probably three, four times the money? It's a tough call. Well, it, it, it is and it is. I mean, wouldn't you rather roll the dice if you think you have a chance? I, I know some of it depends on your financial situation, too, yeah. and your family situation. Um, that Look, if you're trying to make a boatload, of, at least not a boatload, but enough to take care of a lot of people now, then, then you probably take the European model. But if you feel like you can stretch this for a couple, three years to try it and then maybe make a jump to Europe, I think that would be the way to well, go. Well, I mean, not saying I know all these guys well, but I think with all three of those, you can kind of take out – the financial that, the financial issue right. like not not that they have tons of money but no, i don't but think any of them are worried about supporting their family correct. or anything so um I, I think you can look at it from a straight up position and i i agree that i think the way the d league keeps going and keeps progressing as more of a minor league system for the nba legit minor league system makes semi legit money it makes all of this more interesting and what will happen is it's not legit money yet unless you're on one of the two-way deals or you get some type of guarantee contract and then you get sent down but what's going it's to happen there. is they're going to figure out right now the D League operator, the G League operates financially separate from the NBA teams, even though they have that one to one relationship. At some point, the NBA teams are going to step in and say, you know what, let's just start pouring money into these right. programs, making them our minor league systems. And then you might start seeing even more like Darius Baisley situations where guys are just skipping college, going straight to a, a place where they can still get fl- chartered flights, earn 80K or something like that. Right. Like, like 25,000 is a rough situation to jump into. Yeah. Been there, bro. If it's 80, 
you can make that work. No doubt. Like, I mean, you know, that that's not It's a good job. Yeah, and it's you're a good job for a college it's, graduate. And it's nine months. Yeah. And and you make eighty thousand dollars. And then, you know, like Troy Copain went he played the entire year in the D League in Lakeland for the Magic's minor league team. And then when that season ended, he went over to Italy, I believe. And and competed for you know six weeks a month, well, two months in Italy. Back in the day, I mean, baseball players when there wasn't the crazy money there is now, they, went, they would go play in the Caribbean in or the Dominican, the Dominican League. League. Or yeah, right. Develop I mean, a coke problem and then come back, <laughs> or develop a maybe a, a steroid a problem. <laughs> um, have right. a few illegitimate children. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to worry about it. They're gone. There's no paperwork. Yeah, correct. That's right. There's no paper trail whatsoever. Um, handful of Kentucky guys still had decisions to make as we're doing this podcast. PJ Washington, Wenyan Gabriel, and and. Jerry Vanderbilt. Um, I think there's a consensus that Wenyan Gabriel, even if it means going overseas, would probably go ahead and stay in. PJ Washington is is an interesting one because he he needs to probably show a different skill set. The question would be, will he be allowed to, to show that different skill set? And for Jared Vanderbilt, I think he just needs to show I'm healthy. The the thing for Jared Vanderbilt is that can he be healthy? Yeah. I mean that's the risk for Jared Vanderbilt if he comes back and gets hurt again and is hurt again. Right. You're severely damaging your reputation. That's already. Yeah, it's a. T- I think he's a tough call because of that. Yeah, the the PJ Washington thing. I think you're exactly right. That's a kid that showed the skill set you're talking about in AAU, but Cal doesn't ask his bigs to play like right. that. Um, does he allow him to do that when he comes back? I mean, I I would say probably not because he well, hasn't shown that before. No, it, it, but he did it with Patrick Patterson. I mean, he let yeah. Patrick Patterson kind but of do Patrick a Patterson more. was like twenty three. Correct. You know, but but my point is, he at least let him show a different skill set. Well, and I think PJ Washington isn't exactly one of these seven. He's not Carl Anthony Towns, where right. he's this skilled seven footer. He is more like the Terrence Jones type of forward, where. He he has no. There's no future for him as an NBA five man. Correct, really, right? No, like, correct. I mean, maybe he could be a Draymond Green type of guy. Now I'm not making no, a I know, comparison, I know but point. like right. in theory of what type of position he would play for an NBA team if he reaches the ultimate upside for himself, it's like that type of role, like the Draymond Green type of role, or the Terrence Jones or the Julius Randle type of role. So Cal will have to let him do that. He, to me, out of any guy that put their name in early, he has more to come back for than anyone because. You started to see it click at times late last year. It never fully clicked for him. There's still a ton of upside for there. And I think he could... I was never even sold if he was 100% an NBA guy ever when he was in high school. After watching him towards the end of last year, I was like, you know what? I think he could work in today's NBA if, if he does this for another year or so. But he has to show some more. It has to be allowed well, to show some more skill set. Well, and he, honestly, he just needs to mature, too. Like, right. I don't think he understands what his game is entirely yet. He needs to mature and develop, and I think it'll... He may never get the opportunity to impress people if he goes now. If he waits a little bit, I think he'll no doubt be like a top of the second round, late first round type of guy a year from now, and he'll get a legitimate chance to show himself. And I think for him, another thing that comes into play, this is a very heavy big man draft. Next year, there's not going to be much of anything in terms of bigs, at least coming from the one and done right, right. model. Now, whatever's in college already, you know, whatever, but – um, there's not going to be a lot of pressure. You're not going to see a situation where the, the the lottery is littered with one and done type big men, uh, DeAndre Ayton and Bamba and, and, right. and 
Bagley and those that those guys don't exist in this incoming freshman class. Yeah, I'm going to put you both on the spot here. I don't really mean to, but you followed closely enough. Anybody that that opted to stay in that really shocked you? I mean, there's probably some guys out there that you're like Jimmy Joe from XYZ College. Is there <laughs> any guy that, stayed that shocked you? Hang on. And is there any guy that that that, um, that that pulled out that shocked you? That said, no, I'm coming back. It never shocks me when someone pulls out. Skinny. Yeah, good point. Um, Kaiser Gates would be a shock. Well, we're, we're, I was going to get to him in a different vein, but that's okay. fair. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you, you brought this question up too early. Yeah, then, that's okay. what I would that's tell okay. you. Yeah, okay. There was a very obvious yeah, answer. He pulled out too early. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know on the, the guys who pulled out of the draft. Is there. I, I don't think even, there's any that have really been like, what was he thinking? I don't think there's been any that you're like, oh, that was a definite lottery pick. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. what are you thinking? Why are you coming back? Like, yeah, I, I, how much has the combine helped in that regard, though? A lot. Being allowed to go to the combine. Right. Because a lot of times before, all they could do was, like, there was points in times where they couldn't do anything. Correct. You made a decision, and that was it. There were other points in time where they could do workouts with teams, but they couldn't actually go to the combine. And I, the combine, I don't think, helps as much as the invite to the combine. Because the invite to the combine signals they have some interest. We in feel what, you're one of the 64 right. best guys that are available, so we want to take a, a closer look. I think that's a a big indicator now that that these guys can can use for themselves. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's let's touch on on how rosters have taken shape. Uh, we'll start with Xavier and and obviously the Kaiser Gates decision. I think shocked everybody. Um, good luck to you, I guess, because I I, I don't even. Is there a market even for him to play overseas in a decent league? I don't think so. I mean, not 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 with what he shows. I I shouldn't say that. Could Kaiser Gates theoretically be like a high-level European player? Maybe. But, like, at this point, he's not one. Correct. So, um, you know, obviously he and his agent are going to tell you Chris Mack held him back and he didn't get to do enough in Xavier's system. I sat at practices every day for the last few years and watched him unable to dribble the ball without losing it. That limits your upside, right? No doubt. Um, you got to be able to dribble to play basketball. When you're, when you're six feet seven, you better be able to put on the deck and go somewhere. Yeah, and, and for Xavier, it's like it maybe gives you – like it, you would have had a higher floor if Kaiser Gates was still there because at least you knew you had like a solid starter who can really defend and who can knock down some threes and rebound a little bit for you at a Big East level. So you knew he was at least like a starting four man. There's the possibility that some of the guys they've added – there's so many unknowns now – that, yeah, maybe you just lost a starting player and you don't have a guy that can quite replace that. No, I think Ryan Wellage is a better offensive player, not as good of a defensive player. We'll see kind of where, if that comes out as a wash or if, if you know, you, you lost something by losing Kaiser Gates or if maybe Wellage even gives you more. That remains to be seen. But to me, like, this doesn't, people freaked out a little bit when it happened. I understood why, because he's one of the most, your, your most experienced player coming back. And again, he gives you a certain level of security at that sure. position. But he wasn't the difference between like being a mid-tier Big East team and winning the Big East. He's not a difference maker in the Big East. He's a solid role player, but he just isn't a difference maker. So in terms of how it changes Xavier's season, I don't think it does that much. Like Again, it, if you're not very good, you may be a little bit worse now. I would say maybe it changes how things fit early. In terms of like you know November December, but their schedule isn't as daunting as it has been uh, outside of Maui, which you know if, if you're in Maui, it's it's always going to be tough. Yeah. But there's not a lot of challenges in the front of that schedule where 
you know, you you instantly you, need that fourth year. Yeah, it gives you time to, to, to try floor. combinations and get guys used to each other. All those things. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it, they they bought themselves a little time there with smart scheduling. Um, so I think that helps. And uh, I mean, the the last name says it all. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it, it's in the it's in the blood in Cincinnati somehow, somewhere, right? There you go. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Xavier's also added three grad transfers, um, and that's been a nice pipeline for for a lot of schools, and especially it seems like for them. Um, you know, Malcolm Bernard, even though he had some issues at times making shots, was a nice addition. I mean, it's it's been it's been Kareem Canner last year was better than we could have even anticipated times five. He was the third best player on the team, right? So I mean, this has become a pretty good pipeline for X. Oh yeah, and they've done a really good job. You know, like last year, Canner almost becomes like a star for it, right. for them. But they've done a really good job of finding, as Brian Snow would call them, blend guys. Like they don't go after guys who are coming away from their grad, tran- you know, coming away from their previous school and saying, as a graduate transfer, I expect to get the ball every time down the court and score twenty five a game. They get guys that you know maybe only scored eight points a game at their previous school, you know, um, or a guy who's coming from a really low level who just wants to get a taste of the NCAA tournament stuff, like a Malcolm Bernard who came from legitimately like the worst team in college basketball, Florida A&M. So they do a good job of finding guys who are willing to fit in with the rest of the team, and I think that's helped them in the past. And they've got a few more, three more of those types of guys again this year. That is very difficult to do, by the way. In the grad transfer market, find blend guys. There are very few. Most of them are looking either to drop down and play because they've been at a higher level and they haven't played, or they're coming from a lower level and looking to be a star or looking to be a starter or somebody that's going to be a, a, a high-usage type guy. Xavier's done a fantastic job of just being able to pick this guy's going to fit, this guy's going to fit, and that they haven't had that guy come in and be, you know, blow up the locker room yeah. because he expects to be something that he's not. And I think you see a little bit of a trend in how they do it, like, there's a lot of Ivy League guys that they yeah. go after. Smarter kids who are like, hey, I, I see a bigger picture here. I want to be a part of a winning program. And they come in, they understand what's going on, and they fit well. Like, maybe they're good enough, maybe they're not, but they at least can recognize it. Yeah. And then um, you also see them go after really low-level guys. Like, you know, go into the MEAC and guy, get guys out of there who go like – Go into Division two, And go into Division two this year where they realize, hey, this is a significant jump. I may not start right away. And um, that's worked out. And I, I think they got three guys who fit needs for – than this year Zach Hankins the division two kid he was division two player of the year is a big man I think he's the most impressive of the three but um you know now that Kaiser Gates is gone Ryan Wellage from San Jose State seems like the perfect fit because he plays a similar position he's he has more feel and more skill offensively than Kaiser did he shot over 40 percent as taking much tougher shots than Kaiser did because he was the focal point of their offense um as opposed to just a catch and shoot guy um but then defensively he has a lot to be it leaves a lot to be desired so we'll see how it all plays out Kyle Castlin is kind of more of like your Remy Abel or Malcolm Bernard type of guy where he does a little bit of everything just kind of a good athlete and uh, a role player I think Wellage is gonna be really good it, watch I, just, that I think Hankins is the most interesting one for me I just because I, and it was it was a one game scenario against the division one program against Michigan State his numbers in that game were pretty darn respectable if, if you told me he's gonna get you I think it was either 12 and 8 or 14 and 8 if if they played Michigan State this year and he got you fourteen and eight, I think you'd sign me up. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about him is he has legitimate size at 6'10 with long arms right. and, and decent enough athleticism, and he finishes off a lot of different shots with a lot of different moves. So he's the most impressive to me. But Wellage watching him on film was really interesting because he does a lot of different things. When they were he, bad. He does what they he, he does what Xavier likes to do with their in formula. that spot really yeah. well. I, I think that's where, in terms of fit, I think he's an excellent fit for, for what they're going to need. And now, like you said... Especially with Kaiser gone, there's there's a bunch of minutes there. Yep, Unless, he, he's going to be a big a big factor in this yeah. year's team. I mean, you would think he's probably going to start the way things currently look. And Travis still got a got a guy in the class of 2019 that uh, initially I think was when they got him was rated what top 60 and then somehow dropped to like 100. <laughs> yeah, to 99 <laughs> overnight. I mean, yeah. When you but, have a rough spring, you. Yeah, I mean, he just, he just uh, he changed AAU teams this spring because he got off to a slow start with his team. I don't think things were working out great there, but um, he wasn't making shots either, and that's kind of what he is as a shooter. So you don't do that, you're going to drop. But um, I think they still feel really good about you know a six seven kid out of the state of Georgia who originally committed to Georgia, then decommitted once uh, Tom Crean was hired, or actually once well, Mark, Mark Fox, Fox was fired. Yeah. I shouldn't put that on Tom Crean. Jonas Hayes was on that staff. He was on that staff. Yeah. He was supposed to be on Crean's staff. Yeah, and then obviously now he's on for those that don't know is on Xavier's staff. So. Yeah, and um and so Jonas was able to bring him to Xavier, but he he's a guy that he finds a way to get open really well. And I know that sounds like a weird skill, but sometimes just like knowing how to play off of sure. your teammates is a really good skill. And when it stands out about like when you're watching a kid and it consistently stands out, it's like that's something that he does something to always be open and always be in a spot to score. He's just a bucket getter. He shoots it well from kind of everywhere, and he can get to the rim a little bit, and he handles it okay. No, I think that is, it is a skill because you'll see a lot of guys, look, he's, I'm spotted up on the he's wing when somebody, still. when somebody drives baseline, as opposed to me going to the corner where he's got an angle and now I'm open, stand on the perimeter. I mean, there, I think there is a – I don't know if it's a skill, but I think there's a there's a basketball IQ of, of finding a way to get open at times. It's something that coaches teach over and over right. and over and over and over again if you watch a college practice to have a guy that has – has that already in him saves them a lot of time. I also say dropping from sixty to ninety nine is not a big. No, deal. no, no. It was just interesting. It was almost like the it was, day. It was the, well, yeah, the, the rankings were committed. set to come out yeah. that day, but there was that Brian Snow bias. He yes, that's Xavier. exactly what it was. Yep. He does hate Xavier. Yep. That's proof positive. Drop yeah. the guy thirty nine spots after a commitment. For goodness sakes, that's so. what that's what they do in the business. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's talk about how UC's roster now shapes up. Now that we know that 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 Jacob Evans is not coming back again, I think that was pretty. That was a pretty solid thing that most knew. But yeah. talk about how the the roster kinds of shit kind of shapes up now. I mean, it's it's Jaron Cumberland's team now. I, I think one thing with with UC and Xavier, there's a lot of unknowns. I, I think with Xavier, you can look and comfortably say. It's probably going to be Najee Marshall's team. With Cincinnati, you can also look and, and, and in terms of you agree being the no? go-to guy. I mean, Najee Marshall will be their best player, but say, like Quentin Gooden's going to be the elder states. Well, he's going to have the ball in his yeah. hand. So, like, we'll see. They've got the thing about Xavier is they have so many unknowns after their top four, but like they've got four guys right. that I think everyone agrees can play. So. It's, they're going to have a really interesting year. It's going to be a fun year to cover because there's so many unknowns. What I say in terms of that is, is like with Cumberland, I think it's going to be pretty clear that Najee is the best player on that team. Like that, I think it's more clear that Jaron Cumberland is yeah. UC's guy than it is that Najee Xavier's guy. I, I don't disagree way. with that, but I yeah. think they both have a high-end, like a first-team all-league caliber guy at the top of the roster, which helps. I mean, that, you know... You, you're less likely to see a massive fall in, from where they were last year if you've got that 
first team all league guy. I think I told you last. I think I said on podcast for last year start. I thought Jaron Cumberland would be UC's leading scorer. I was wrong. Um, I thought he would be this year too. Um, but with with no Jacob Evans, no Gary Clark to no defer, Kyle no Kyle Washington to defer to all those things. How much more he has to look to score more A and B. How much more does that maybe instead of looking around going, eh, well, I'll, I'll defer to one of these. And he's not a big defer guy, but you know what I'm no. saying. No, well, here's Secondly, the difference. You're going to have to to get more shots, and maybe that's that's a better thing for him. One, I maybe agree. It's the worst thing for him when he starts jacking up 27 foot standstill threes. But two, the offense isn't going to run inside out. Correct. Yeah, correct. So that's going to be a big a big difference. They're not going to be playing as much as I think. Trayvon Scott is going to have a very good junior season. We'll see at the five between Nazir Brooks and Eliel Sosome. Um, but between those, those are not they're not guys. They're, they're not anchoring those guys correct. on the block and forcing the ball inside right. to them. So you're going to see a different type of offense that's going to be led by Kane Broom and by Jaron Cumberland. Um, I'm interested to see. Uh, workouts start next week, and I should be around for quite a few of those. Um, I don't know if we talked about him, the the junior college commitment I, I they got. I don't believe we did. They got a kid named Rashawn yeah. Fredericks out of Motlow State in Tennessee who averaged a double-double both of his years in junior college for a 6'6 wing. So he's the type of guy, you know, we always talk about things that translate, and we've talked about this before, rebounding translates. Right. If you've got a six six wing that's going to be able to help you on the glass, you've got a guy that's going to be able to come in and and give you production early. Now, I think what they would love to have happened was for Jacob Evans to come back, and then you could have played a four guard system with one big with Fredericks in there with Cumberland and Kane Broom and Jacob Evans. I feel like you're covered pretty well defensively yeah. and rebounding wise. Yeah, um, that's you know unless you see a, a big jump from Keith Williams or Trevor Moore. Uh, I don't know how much four guard you're going to see. Um, but Fredericks gives you a guy, I think, that should be able to come in, adapt quickly, and and find his way on the floor uh, very early in his, his stint. So um, I think, you know, it's going to be different because they are going to be a lot more perimeter-oriented. Uh, I think there's some that would argue that maybe they should have been more perimeter-oriented last year because you had Kane Broom and right. Jacob Evans and Jaron Cumberland. Cumberland. But – um, the biggest thing for me, I think, is going to be leadership. Who steps into that, you know, that Gary Clark void? Because Gary, while he wasn't the most vocal guy, very much a lead by example and set the tone. But Cumberland's got some alpha male in him. He doesn't talk. You know who it's going to be. Number three. Justin Jennifer, Jennifer, the, the locker your room, starting point guard. The locker room voice is going to be Trayvon Scott. That's already he's he's the vocal one. You know, Justin Jennifer doesn't talk much. Kane Broom doesn't talk much. Jaron doesn't talk much. Um, but Trey Scott is one that he's got football background. He's vocal and, you know, we'll, we'll get after guys. The on the court guy, like who's going to set the tone on the court. Is going to be interesting because you would want it to be Jaron. I just don't know that that's his uh, his ML. We'll see. Did did we see all that came room is last year? No. Or, or okay, so how does he get to the point where he can be what you'd hoped and thought and maybe even expected he was going to be? I mean, that's that that's the two point four million dollar question. They paid him that much? No, that's how much the head coach gets. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
That was, tell you what, that was a bad investment. There, boy. <laughs> that's how much the head coach gets paid to figure it out. I mean, that's that's the 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 unknown with this team. I think you know everybody expects Jaron Cumberland to be good, really good. But you got to have that second guy, and and is Kane Broom ready to show more of the guy that was you know a twenty four point a game guy? Now I don't expect him to be a twenty four point a game guy, but. He's going to have to be a 16-point-a-game guy, I think, with Jaron. Well, I, I, go back. I mean, is he a guy, too, that last year, your first year on the court, even though you had a year of practice before that as a, as a transfer under your belt, that looked around and realized Gary Clark does need to get touches because we're playing yeah. to him. Um, Jaron Cumberland needs to get a touch. Jacob Evans needs to get a touch. And that's more my responsibility as opposed to looking to score more. They didn't really play him at point guard last year. I was going to say, year. he didn't have a choice. Whether he realized it or not, yeah. he got sat on the bench, so – they played him off the ball more than they yeah, played true. him on the ball, which I think that'll be different this year. I think he'll have the ball in his hands. Do you think he starts this year? Yes. Okay. I do. Now, does that mean they both start? Maybe. That's, that, that was going to be the next oh, question. Oh, boy. Maybe. I could see that at the beginning of the season. Oh, boy. <laughs> that I think that depends on how, how quickly Rashawn Fredericks adjusts or – does Keith Williams or, or Trevor Moore take right and and force one of those guys force one of those guys out? That's it's going to be a very interesting off season. Yeah. No. One one fun thing this off season that hasn't happened much over the past couple of years. X and UC are getting together and running open gym on a on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, I hear uh, Justin Jennifer's been giving Nick Rusats a lot of trouble <laughs> over at Cupcake. Beetle's so. been over there too. Yeah, they've got Beetle. They got some NKU guys. The kid from Kent State, um, Jalen Avery has been down. Yep. From Schroeder, from, from yeah. formerly Holy Cross. They, they've been running running open gyms over in Northern Kentucky. How about that, and uh, I've heard it's been pretty good competition. And does that mean we're allowed to fight at the shootout again, or how's that work? I mean, that's also of note. We haven't. I don't think this has really been touched on any nationally. I haven't seen it anywhere. Um, they changed the the off season rules again. Um, the past couple years, they once when they opened summer workouts, uh, like three or four years ago, you prior to that you weren't allowed any contact with your players in the summer at all. Then they opened it up, and it used to be you got eight hours a week with the strength and conditioning coach. They changed it to six hours a week with the strength and conditioning coach, and then some on court, and two hours a week on court, right? Um, for eight weeks. Now they cut the strength and conditioning coach down to four, and you get four hours on court instruction with the coaching staff which i think is i think it's beneficial well what are you doing for six hours with the strength and conditioning coach every week like four days an hour a day right you're good you're that's your strength and conditioning and, and that other time was getting wasted so the coaches obviously wisely readjusted that and now you get four hours on court i think that's a a, a nice boost for for teams development in the summer especially xavier and cincinnati where they're dealing with a lot of new pieces and new parts and new roles and you know i think that that will be very good and then cincinnati's taking a trip to canada so they right. get 10 full practices before they go to canada how is fifth third progressing i mean it should be ready they're they're going through seat selection now um so so all the big money donors are swiping up their seats and uh i think it goes to the the second level of you know 
the, the top 15 get preferential treatment, and then everybody else starts here, I think, in two weeks. There we go. All right. Uh, Rick, NKU's had a little bit of turnover. I think the, Ooh, the last podcast bit. we had, um, we knew Carson Williams had left. I don't know if Mason Faulkner had left at that point, but they've had so. they've had a handful of guys leave in the offseason. I, I don't know. What all, I know people that I've talked to in Northern Kentucky get alarmed by that. Um, I almost want to say welcome to the club. Welcome to college. Yep. Big time. I don't want to say big time college basketball. No, but that's what it but is. That's what it I, mean, is. They, I mean, that's what they happens. won. They won the tournament two years ago. They won the conference last year. This is what happens when you start. It gets to be cutthroat. And everyone starts look, like looking at it. It's like, oh, NK is losing all these guys. It's like, yeah, because, those guys lost playing time. Right. Like and they, and they Carson the, Williams lost his starting credit, spot they, they, to Dantes Walton. Give them credit for reading the writing on the wall. Really? Yeah. And, and like, look, like Carson Williams. Really good player. I wish he was still at NKU because sure. I think he's going to be really good. But he's also a role guy. He's a guy who stars in a role. He was never going to be your best player. And, in fact, at the end of last year, it meant he came off the bench. And he was an energy guy off the bench. And Dantes Walton made them more versatile and did more things for them. And I don't think Carson was willing to accept that role and take a back seat. So I kind of understand where he's coming from because he's been a huge part of things since he was a freshman. He had a lot of success. So I get that. <laughs> Jeff Garrett was a ghost last year. I mean, we didn't see him for almost the entire season at all, so no surprise that he's leaving. Uh, Mason Faulkner was the one I was most worried about because I looked at it as LeVon Holland was your point guard for 35 minutes plus a and game last year. this was year. supposed to be the heir apparent. And as a freshman, Mason Faulkner played some really good minutes going down the stretch when they made the run all the way to the NCAA tournament. He was a big, big factor in that run, and I thought after another year, he'd be ready to take over the point guard spot from LeVon Holland. Well, then last year he loses a ton of minutes to Tyler Sharp as kind of that second guard next to LeVon. He decides to transfer. I'm like, now what? now what at point guard? And obviously they have Trayvon Faulkner, who's Mr. Kentucky coming in. He's a big, strong, athletic kind of bucket-getting guard. I think they're, they're assuming he might be the point guard of the future, but even still you needed a bridge year. So the, the biggest thing that happened for NKU so far this offseason to me was landing the, uh, the commitment of Zayna Robinson. From, a Al- from Alabama? Uh, no, he is from um, – Because he just came in. Well, he just he signed is, like three weeks ago or whatever He it was. is from Norfolk State. That's right. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yeah. He had ties to Alabama. Though, yeah, maybe he? maybe that's what I was, I was thinking. But yeah, but he went to Norfolk State. Yeah, went to Nor- Nor- Norfolk State and um, just a speedy, small, he's only like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, something like that. Small, speedy bucket getting, but also like 4.2 assists to 1.7 turnover ratio last year. Point guard. Ex- I mean, exactly they needed, what right, you they needed, needed to fill the gap. And hopefully Trayvon Faulkner is ready to play minutes and be a factor this year. And you give him a year to kind of learn where you don't have to rely on him. And then as a sophomore, he's ready to take over the reins. So I think it played out really well once they got Zayna Robinson. But I was a little worried there once Mason Faulkner left. Because the other guys I kind of understood. And I was like, well, they've got like Silas Siddiqui coming in from uh, from a Juco to kind of replace Carson Williams at the four. You know what I mean? So like that didn't concern me nearly as much. Yeah, he's a longer, technically more athletic. Yeah, that. six nine, right. big time athlete who originally went to Evansville and then went Juco after that and did really well at Juco. So um, I think they've got uh, Adrian Nelson too. Um, they added him from uh, Pickerington where he played, he played with uh, Jalen Tate in high school, um, six, six, super athletic. He broke a backboard last year. Dunking was on uh sports center top 10. So he's an exciting guy. And then Bryant McCabe, is that how you say his name? Kid from Indiana shooter. Yeah. 
Um, like Mockaby, I think, but yeah. Yeah, but he he's taller than I expected. They showed a picture of them from workouts yesterday, and he looked almost as tall as Adrian Nelson, who's supposed to be six 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 seven. Um, so it'll which be means they're probably both six four, six five. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> are you are you ready for two trips to the newly renovated and beautiful Bank of or the Third Arena? Yeah, I, will I be making two trips there? You will be making two trips there. Okay. For Xavier and for? I'll let you figure it out. I think you figured it out. I I do not know. Regular season? Yeah. Obviously? This year? Uh-huh. I thought they finalized. No? I think it's coming. Okay. This is good radio. I know. No, I mean, I so mean so one game you'll be as a media member, and the other game you'll probably be there as a fan. fan. I thought they were waiting a year for NKU to be I, I think initially that was the plan, but I think they decided to, to jump. Okay. That's it. So they decided to make the payoff now. I think so. Because they're afraid of NKU coming. They, they're, they're, they're one more recruiting class away. They figure they're going to get them right now. That I think would be news to me. There you go. I think, no, it's a year, I think it's a four-year deal. Really? Yeah. Two and two. Really? I would have thought three and one at the very best. Thank you. For, I know it is a thank you, which is nice. I think it's two and two. Well, that'd be good. You good with that? I this is the first I'm hearing of it, so okay, we'll, we'll find out. Are you good? Are you good with it if it, if it happens? And it sounds like I don't. I don't. And maybe it's yes. not done. Right. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, and I haven't I said like anything it. specifically. So but there you go. That, no news on the podcast, right there. Man, there just made news. I, I'd also tell UC fans maybe look into uh, airfare to Vegas early December. Okay, there we go for for right. a one gamer or a, or a one gamer. They've gamer. already got their 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 exempt event. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Play George Mason yeah. and then the winner of uh, Baylor and uh, Ole Miss. So this is kind of this is a, kind of a thing for UC man. They're they're bringing Ohio State down. They got NKU coming over. Xavier's now re- renewed with Miami over. Maybe we're going to get this this little circle going. Maybe no. I don't know. I mean, it's still there. There's still just going to be a problem of where do you play it that makes sense. I mean, we talked about that last year. I know. I don't know that everyone's going to agree to that. I'd still love to see some. I, I know I, I, that's the thing. I, I'd still love to see. I think it'd be it'd be great for for basketball in this area. I really believe. I would that. do. I mean, I think Ohio State's finally somewhat open to right. it. Right. But um, there's there's a lot of things that need to be worked out that I just don't think will be able to be worked out. Yeah. Honestly, it, would, would you would you head to Vegas in early December? Uh, if I wasn't working, I absolutely would head to Vegas probably any time. <laughs> I may not have to do that in another couple of years. By the way, I could just head over to or head to Jack Casino or head to. Head to Turfway Park or whatever, and make your legal sports bets there. Um, the the fabulous commission of, of basketball issued a report since what we last joke. did our podcast, um, and, and there wa- there wasn't anything groundbreaking in it. Let me, mean, let me let me ask you this, Skinny. Yeah. Do they really think AAU is just going to go away because they said so? No. But the, but that's what they're implying. Right. Like we're going to strong arm AAU out of existence. AAU is not going anywhere. It's a huge money industry. It's not going anywhere. So these kids are still going to be on the road. They're still going to be playing AAU tournaments. And now, what? so your answer is to, to pull colleges, to pull coaches from all the AAU tournaments? Yeah, and have to go to 9,000 you know different areas. You know what that areas? does? It's impossible to recruit, That makes right? Brian Snow a power player in college basketball, and that is a terrible idea. I, I think some people would say he probably already is. No, but even I'm, like they're giving him even more power if they do that. Yeah. If you take coaches away from AAU events, you're making Snow like 10 steps higher on the totem pole. 
I want him 10 steps lower on the totem pole. Yeah, I, I don't think Brian needs <laughs> any more power. I would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, did you come away with anything from, from it? No, I mean, they didn't address any of the actual issues. Right. Is the problem. They pointed, but out, this they, is, po- they pointed out, we think these are issues, but there's no solutions to but them. But how many oh. times did we talk about this last year? It's all a farce. It's all just a PR game for the NCAA. They don't actually want to fix issues. They don't actually want these right. kids to no. not be taking closed doors payments and stuff. They're fine with all that happening. They just need to keep up the charade that they care about it, and they care about the amateur status, and that they're trying to do something about it so that we'll... Turn our head and go, oh, okay, well, the NCAA is about student-athletes. Like, that's all. it's all a PR game to them. It's not about actually fixing anything, right. which became very clear when they, one, put this committee together full of people that, why would you be doing that? Why would you have Condoleezza Rice right. on this committee running it? Like, it makes absolutely zero sense. Because the, the name adds credibility, right or wrong, but it, it, she has nothing to do with being I mean, able to fix college basketball. Right, but not for the, not I, in no, this instance. They put her on the football selection committee, and Correct. she wasn't worth crap there Correct. either. Correct. And... I mean, again, it's it's all just a farce to to make a PR play. They they weren't trying to fix anything, and so they didn't even address the issues. In fact, they were like telling the NCAA they needed to change the one and done rule. Right. It's it's an NBA rule. You Correct. have no jurisdiction. Like, what are we doing here? They're, they're gonna they, they one of the things they seriously said was making freshmen redshirt again. Yeah, that was freshman ineligibility. Idea. But like again, all of it was non-starters, and it was always meant to be non-starters. Right, it's all a game. Like I, you know what I'd they like want to, you to get worked up and argue about this, so you don't talk about what's actually going on. I would like to see him do that because in some places, if you did have a great freshman recruiting class, you'd have people attend the freshman game and walk right out the door. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, suppose back in the day of Oscar, they'd come and watch Oscar play. As soon as the freshman game was over, see you later. And out they went. And out they went. We watched Oscar. That's all we needed. All right, fellas. Anything else? Any last take, Rick Bruin? No. Wearing your FC Cincinnati colors proudly today? I'm just a city a city man. You are a city Skinny. man. How about you, Chad Brennan? You got anything else? Um, I don't have anything nice to say about FC Cincinnati, so I won't say anything at all. Um, I will say I wish more things in life could be like NBA Twitter. Why? Did you not see what happened last night? I did not. They, the, the ringer outed oh, yeah, that, Coangelo. That, that, that's, that's been coming for a couple days, but yeah. Well, I mean, but it hit last right. night. Outed Brian Coangelo for having five burner Twitter accounts. Yeah. That, which he praised himself and... And, and took shots at basically yeah. Sam Hinkie and all the decisions Hinkie yeah. made. Uh, there's nothing better than off-season NBA Twitter. I, I would just say this, and between that and, and Roseanne, just be careful on your Twitters, Twitter people. Just be careful. Right? I mean, I'd prefer they don't because yeah, I, I know love you prefer they all don't. of this nonsense. I'm just warning people, just be careful on your Twitters. I'm here I'm here for all the burner accounts. When you're when you're when you have too much ambient in your system or too much bud light in your I, system. See, I didn't know racism like ambient one of the side effects was racism. Skinny, you need a burner account. You do need I a burner account. No, not a chance. Or maybe just a parody account. A skinny parody account. You can do account a parody account. Really account. I'm okay. I, 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 summertime s- short pants really took off. I think you could probably I, like do it, an account just on that. Just on that? Yeah. yeah the summertime short, like if anybody's I've got out them all there. today, by the way. I do too. I wore some. Slacky. We're all, we're all in uniform. We are. Slacky. Yeah. Summertime short no, pants. No, I, I don't have cargo shorts. No, those are, no, these, those these are, are short summertime pants. short pants. Rick's got summertime short, short pants. pants. Correct. Yep. We're all in uniforms. Yep. What about Jed Demusey's horrendous take about guys shouldn't wear shorts in airports? Yeah, yeah, and then he shows up to the airport in shorts like four days later. Yeah, because I bullied him on Twitter. He got embarrassed, and he was like, okay, I guess it's cool to wear shorts now. Why Just a total follower that why Because he was afraid he might touch knees with someone on the plane. 
Yeah, I will say I, one of my great fears is when I'm in a. I usually get because I, I can book my own flights when I cover the Bengals and other things, and I always book a window seat in case I decide I need to fall asleep. I can lean over. Yeah. My great fear though is I'm in my seat, dude or whatever's in aisle seat, and here comes Ethel, two hundred and forty three pounds down the aisle. It, it's like no, and I look around going, oh god, it is the only seat left. But I'm not worried about the touch and knees part more than I am the fact that honestly I'm going to have not much room anyway. When she says, "You're a little guy," I am a little guy, but I, you know, on those airplane seats, they ain't exactly—they're—they're <laughs> they're not made for people two forty plus. You don't fly business class? Uh, no, I am a—I am—I'm in the economy section of economy sections, man. <laughs> I will say my final take: live podcast, June 9th, Dana Gardens. Yes, Coach Steele will be yes. there. That'll be fun. We're doing it again. I think it'll be our what, third what or fourth that? live podcast, June 9th. Nice. It's a Saturday, correct? Six nine. Nice. Two thousand eighteen. At noon. At noon. On a Saturday. Day drink day drinking in a podcast. How about that? You can't beat that. You can't beat that. So I mean, are you gonna get there at like ten and like get yourself worked up or no, I gotta work afterwards. So Ooh. Yeah. So no day drinking for you. Yeah. But, but the everyone crowd, else, but the crowd can come. The day crowd drink. always has a good time day drinking yes. around me and is Dan and gonna get smashed. Me. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Dan doesn't get smashed. He's a mature drinker, so you know, he just keeps pounding Bud Lights or IPAs and you never really notice a difference. I say, I'm not sure you're pounding IPAs though, man. He does. He do, he. Dan's a house man. Like I'm gonna, if, I'm he gonna gets him, down. I'm gonna give him credit for that. Then. Yeah, I like a good IPA too. But pounding them is not. It's not usually. Natty lights a pound beer. That's the IPAs are sipping beers. Well, Dan's a grown man. Oh, what can I'm, I say? I'm, I'm gonna give the man all the credit in the world for goodness sakes. Yep. All right, boys. Anything else? We good? Enjoyed it as always. Always a pleasure. Good deal. Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, Chad Brennan from Bearcat Journal. I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.